You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. If you'd like to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And we have a couple of leaders here. If you are between the grades of kindergarten and third grade, um, you are dismissed at this time. The leaders are there in the back and they'll take you to your classroom. If you are new with us, those classes are in this hallway here. And that's where your kids will be till you come and get them. We'll keep them safe in there. Until our time in here is done. Kids are always welcome to stay in service with us, of course, as you know. Genesis chapter 1, and then we'll jump over to Genesis chapter 3 as well. And while you're turning there and kiddos are getting where they need to go, let me start off with an introduction of this week and next week. We're going to do two weeks on a topic that we can mistake as being a political topic. But it's not, let me assure you. The topic is being pro-life or for life. It is not a political issue. It is a gospel issue. But that term was first used according to the Oxford English Dictionary anyways in modern language in 1960. So the term isn't that old. 1960 was 13 years before the landmark case of Roe v. Wade, where the Supreme Court ruled that state laws that banned abortions were unconstitutional. Now, while that term, specific term of being pro-life, is most widely associated with being anti-abortion, to truly be pro-life encompasses a much broader spectrum. To be pro-life is to believe in the sacredness of all the lives of every. We love God best by loving others and sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. What else would loving others mean other than to put their needs above our own? What else would it mean other than to advocate and fight for those who cannot defend themselves? And ultimately trust in the sovereignty and the purpose of God's plan for each life. And trust him for the outcome of each. Not allowing things like a human being's size or location or their development or the dependency on others determine their right to live or to have purpose. Compared to all other religions, Christianity advocates and promotes being pro-life more so than, than any other Although it is also plain to see that Christianity has had its share of mistakes in this category. When you look at our history, you see slavery, racism, even some anti-abortion techniques are offensive and more confrontational than they should be. With aggressive picketing or shaming or a lack of engagement or complacency when it comes to foster care or adoption, or care for the elderly, or how we might feel, or treat immigrants or refugees, 
the modern-day aliens and sojourners, as Scripture calls them. And so this morning, as we are looking at pro-life, we're going to look at being holistically pro-life. So we're, we're going to look at more of the, the big picture of it from the beginning, <clears throat> God's plan and purpose for it. And then next week, we will dive in a little bit more deeper into specific ways that we can be pro-life as believers here in our country, in our time, in our age. As we do this, I want to be very sensitive to all of those of us who have made mistakes when it comes to being pro-life. In a room this size, it's possible there have been some of us here affected by abortion one way or another. In a room this size, we have probably made the mistake of not being pro-life and how we've treated others with either being racist or discriminatory or oppressing or other ways. And so I want to be sensitive to that because none of us were perfect. Only Christ was really the only human to walk the earth to be truly, holistically, perfectly pro-life in this broader definition. So we're all guilty of it in some way, form, or fashion. And though we are, there is grace and forgiveness at the cross. No sin or rebellious act against God is more powerful than the blood that Christ shed on the cross. And that doesn't give us license to freely go out and intentionally sin by any means. But the good news is is that when we do, there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is hope. So Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start... My notes say verse 27, but really we're going to start in verse 26. So I don't know how it's going to show up on the slide, but we're going to start in verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, And for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Jump to Genesis chapter 3, should be just a page or two to the right in your Bible. We're going to start at verse 1. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree? In the garden, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You you must not eat or touch it, or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. 
and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Amen. This is God's words. From these passages, my goal for us to explore the depths of being holistically pro-life as a follower of Jesus Christ under these three headings. The first one is that God is pro-life. Okay, the first one is God is pro-life. The second one is this. God made man and woman pro-life from the very beginning. And the third is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the complete and total fulfillment of being pro-life. Okay, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of being pro-life. So our first heading, God is pro-life. We must start at the beginning. Now around here, we, we believe that God created, period. All right? Around here, that's how we believe. I realize that you might think differently, believe differently. There's a lot of theories out there that might say differently. But just so you know where we stand here, that's how we believe. We don't have time to go into an expository sermon on the origins of man. That's for another day. But this morning, just so you know where I'm coming from, this is what we believe. God spoke, creation appeared from nothing, and it was good. God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. He created light, water, Land, the sky, these are in verses 1 through 25 of Genesis 1. He created all vegetation, stars, the planets. He created all the mammals running around on earth, the reptiles, insects, and sea creatures. And for the finale, he created man and woman. Now, a valid question we might ask is why would God create? Was he somehow lonely or lacking something? Uh, Similar to how Adam felt, as we read in the account of Genesis, uh, how he felt before God created Eve and brought her to him. Was God somehow lonely or lacking? He was not. Colossians 1.16 tells us, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This verse tells us that not only the him in this verse was Jesus, this verse also tells us not only that Jesus Christ was an intricate part of creation by creating the visible and the invisible, but that also all creation was made for him. And there's our clue why God created. Pastor and author Stephen Lawson explains this well. I love how he says this. He says, God was not inwardly lonely or personally empty. He was entirely self-satisfied, self-content, and self-contained. God did not create because of some limitation within himself. Instead, he created everything out of nothing in order to put his glory on display for the delight of his created beings and that they might declare his greatness. The purpose for all things that God created is for his glory. And then bonus, we get to enjoy it. When we enjoy that which God created, we honor the one who created it. 
Now, it can be tempting to take that which he created and put it above the creator. And that's where we get it flipped. But when we enjoy it and thank him and praise him, we are honoring God because he is the creator of it. God created life. Not out of need or want, but out of overflow, out of abundance for his glory. Therefore, God created life. How, or God is pro-life. How can you not be pro-life as the creator? For our second heading, now God made man and woman pro-life. And so if you're reading through Genesis 1 and those first 26 or so verses, and it flows along with God speaking, what he says, it comes into being from nothing. God sees that it is good. But then he gets to verse 26. As we read a few minutes ago, there's a shift. It's almost like there's a pause. It just kind of flows along. God created, God said, it happened, it was good. Just bumping along. And then all of a sudden, it's like a pause. A almost a consideration of the triune God where it says, let us create man in his image. It's almost like a buildup, a crescendo. Let us make man and woman in our image. God created man and woman to be image bearers of him. God forming the man from the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into him. God creating the woman from the side of the man, breathing life into her, declaring both of them made in his image. And what we can learn from this is that God bestowed a unique and intricate value on the man and the woman. A value more than the rest of creation. Now, not that we are gods. We're God. That's a guarantee. We are not God. It's one of the two absolutes in life. We are not God. But that we are a reflection of his nature and his attributes. So as image bearers, it's not that God has a physical body. He does not. We see that in the Gospel of John, that God is spirit. But as we reflect, we are made to reflect his attributes, his characteristics of who he is. It's almost like there's a, a DNA of God woven within us. How else or where else do we get our sense of right and wrong from? Or our sense of justice when we see someone being oppressed or discriminated against unfairly and our emotions begin to stir, causing us to want to move into action. Why is it we fight to live? Why is it we fight to stay young so long and spend untold amounts of money doing so? Or why else do we feel purpose and meaning in our lives when we are loving others and putting their needs above our own? What about our creativity and our imaginations? These things were not mere random acts of evolution. These things are characteristics of a holy and righteous and sovereign and creative and loving Heavenly Father in which we are created in the image of. And one of those key ingredients that we reflect in God as being an image bearer is that we also 
are created to be pro-life. The very first command he gave human beings in verse 28 of Genesis 1, God blessed them and then said, be fruitful and multiply. Reproduce, be for life. Fill the earth, subdue it and rule over it. To create order and to maintain and to take care of is being pro-life. Now obviously God does not always give every man and woman their own biological children to be fruitful and multiply with. But every man and woman ought to value children and to those that they have the opportunity to have influence with and over in their church family or their extended family or in the communities to point them to Christ. Now the issue is that we see where we go wrong or we have seen the world go wrong is that we have been corrupted by sin. And see, sin is anti-pro-life. The very core nature of Satan and being against God is to attack that which he created life. Especially in us, his image bearers. And as we read in Genesis 3, the first image bearers chose to rebel against God and eat from the forbidden tree. And I can't help but bring up again, they had the perfect environment. They had the perfect place to live. Everything was taken care of and provided for them. It did not get any better and yet they still chose the one thing they weren't supposed to do, to eat from the fruit. So don't, don't catch yourself thinking that you could have done better. <laughs> I'm sorry. We wouldn't have either. But because of that choice, because of that rebellious act against God called sin, it ushered in death. It ushered in the corruption of us being able to holistically, perfectly bear the image of God and being pro-life. So, let me be perfectly clear here. Every one of us, because we are human, because we have a sin nature, has not perfectly lived out a life of being pro-life. Have you ever cursed or mocked another image bearer? Have you ever made fun of one, called them names, posted a joke online about another people group? We were not holistically pro-life in those moments if we have. Have you ever judged someone else's actions or choices, whether it be to accept handouts or receive government assistance or even to make the choice to get an abortion but failed to try to understand why those individuals are in those circumstances or why they might feel trapped in those places, in those decisions with no way out. Then we are not holistically pro-life to not try to understand the world from their perspective and only see it through ours. If we have ever put our own wants and needs above somebody else's, everybody in the room, <laughs> we all got to raise our hand on this one. We have not been holistically and perfectly pro-life 
in those moments. You might ask, Matt, it sounds like it's completely impossible to truly be pro-life. And I would answer you, yes, it is. So then you might follow that question up with, Matt, do you think it's God is unfair in asking us to do something that's impossible for us to accomplish? And I would say, yes, he is. We can't accomplish this. But it is not impossible with Christ. With him in us. And Philippians 4.13 tells us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not all things like, hey, I can go make a million bucks. Or, hey, I can go build a Ferrari out of a tree in my backyard. Because Christ is with me. No. It's I can accomplish the impossible tasks of like being holistically and perfectly pro-life. Or putting others' needs above my own. Because he is in me. Because he has forgiven me. And he will give me the strength and the hope and the purpose to accomplish that. Which brings us to our third heading. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of being pro-life. In Genesis 3.15, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that very first prophecy we read about. Christ is the perfect image bearer of God. Not only because he is God, as we saw in Colossians 1.15, but also while he walked the earth, he perfectly reflected the characteristics of God, flawlessly, without corruption from sin, as we see in Hebrews 4.15. God not only is pro-life and made his creation to be pro-life, he sent Christ so that we may have new and everlasting life, as we see in John 10.10. Though we may have cursed God's image bearers or been cursed by others, Jesus was cursed, so we would not be eternally cursed, as it says in Galatians 3.13. Though we may have been mocked or made fun of by others or we have done the same to them, Jesus was mocked and ridiculed on all of our behalf so that we might know eternal life without shame or embarrassment. Though we may have oppressed or discriminated against others and or have had them do that to us, Jesus was oppressed and discriminated against so that we can one day, by grace, totally and completely belong as a welcomed child of God. Though we have all too often put others above ourselves, Jesus put others first perfectly totally and completely by going to the cross on our behalf. And as he did so, the payment for our sin was paid. Forgiveness was offered. Salvation granted for those who trust and believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. To be holistically pro-life, we must continue to anchor ourselves in the truth that we were created by God, who is pro-life. And as image bearers of our creator, whether you choose to be in a relationship with him or not, he created each one of us to be pro-life. When we or others do not value life 
by failing to pray for, advocate for, vote for, or put ourselves above another image bearer, we must understand and realize that it is because the corruption of sin in our lives. But that ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ, the person and work of Christ, his birth, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection is a salvation and source for us to overcome our fears, our misconceptions, our selfishness that hinder us from being able to better love others. At this time, I feel it most appropriate that we would pause for a moment. I've got a short summary statement at the end and then a song for us to wrap up with by video, but I feel it appropriate that we take a time as a congregation. Where you're sitting, you're welcome to join up with people around you if you want, and we pray. And we take the time to pray for, first of all, our own hearts and our own lives, that the gospel would continue to transform us. And that God would reveal areas or ways in our life that we are, we are missing the opportunity to be the image bearer he created us to be and to be holistically pro-life. And then after that, that we might, we might pray for the church as a whole, our local faith family and the church globally.